Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Are you with us today? Give everybody a minute to check in. I look a little red, but we're not going to be... Too complicated today, so um, if you're looking and you're wondering, did Revolution donations go up? No, um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, this is, I'm in Peter Rollins' house. So I kicked Pete out. I'm in his house, I'm in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, here I am. So top of the morning to you. Um, Pete doesn't have any normal shaped glasses in his house. All he has is these, I think, these really weird shaped glasses. Um, yeah, so I'm in California and, uh, you know, just kind of needed a little bit of a wee break. Uh, get away, but mostly came to see Pete for Thanksgiving. Um, my, my, my ex has the kids for Thanksgiving and for the weekend, so um, jumped out to LA, hang out. We're also working on a project that I'm supposed to not talk about yet, so, but I'm excited about, so a lot of cool things are going on. And um, yeah, Pete is extremely clean and extremely like a minimalist. Like, it's like there's the speaker, there's the couch, there's the books. <laughs> like it's, I've never been in a cleaner house in my life. Um, so yeah, I've been in LA hanging out. We had really great Thanksgiving dinner here. Just very relaxed, very nice, no drama. Um, as you guys know, I've been dealing with some personal drama in my life and um, that has not been fun. Sorry, I'm looking up a verse, working. Um, but yeah, so I've had my own drama with everything going on and, uh, so it's always nice just to kind of get away for a few, few days if you can. And this is where I am. Um, I may be in Ireland next week. What? Zoe's going to be in Ireland? Um, all right. So, what are we going to talk about today? So today we are going to talk a little bit about um, Jesus, Mark, and Mark, Jesus in Mark, um, and Paul, surprise, surprise, and Grace, surprise, surprise. So there you go. And one of the things I'm doing today is going through some of my classic talks, and this is one of my first talks, and I, and I always kind of once a year try to mess with this talk to see what, what's come out of it for me and how I kind of see things differently through it. And um, so today I just was like, you know what, I think I'm gonna rework that talk again and see where, where we go with it, and so. Uh, what what are we learning in in 2021? Uh, and what has my studies 
from Hegel and Freud and added to any of these things. Because um, that's who I've, the two I've, folks I've been kind of studying a lot more recently. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in Mark 2, 14. Mark 2, 14 is where we're going to get started and hit this thing off. Um, anybody have any recommendations, anything I should do in L.A.? Let me know. Um, but Mark 2, uh, Mark 2, 14 as he was walking, talking about Jesus, as he was walking, walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphas, sitting at his tax collection booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, so Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Jesus even had a reputation of being a drunkard and hanging out with all these crazy people. Um, and it's so funny, it's so different from when I was growing up. I remember in high school and such, where it would be like, don't hang out with those people. Don't associate with those people. It could hurt your, you know, it could hurt your reputation. You know, be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you've seen with. You know, that was the, the church's message. Um, Funny, nowadays, we almost have the same type of policing on, on um, social media. You know, uh, I remember when, remember when uh, Helen, Ellen, not Ellen, Ellen was at a ball game and sat next to George W. Bush. Everybody lost their minds, you know, it's like, you can't associate with these people, you know, like people who've done bad things, you can't associate with them, you know, and, and to me, it's interesting because those ideas of not associating with certain types of people is, especially when I was starting to learn about grace and especially reading these verses when I was younger, it, it, it puzzled me because I was like, this is so the opposite of what Christianity is about, the faith, the idea, Jesus, all this whole idea, concept of Christianity is so opposite of what the church is teaching. Um, but it's also just not the church. It's really the system, society. And, it, and it's so easy to scapegoat. Sorry, we stopped there for a second. Hopefully we're still recording. Um, it's so easy to, um, to scapegoat the church as the ones who did all the bad. You know, they're, they're bad. And they're, you know, but what we don't realize is we do it in society as well, as we, we judge people by the company they keep and who they hang out with and spend time with. So I think... You know, we'd all be in the case of, of what's happening here is, is looking at someone like Jesus and going like, could he really be the Messiah? I mean, a tax collector? I mean, that's, that's somebody who's kind of seen as a traitor to our, our, our community, you know, uh, if you were part of the Jewish community. You know, someone who's, who's collaborating with the government who's oppressing us. You know, why would we want to be, why would he sit down and have dinner with people like this? And then there's prostitutes and all these other type of people. You know, why is he, you know, why, why, and he's eating with them. And he's in their home. So one, he's already now seen ceremonially completely unclean, which would be seen as a sin in Judaism for him to walk into the house and to sit. And then to build and share a meal, uh, he's building a covenant with them in a way and a bond with them saying that these are my people. 
So now Jesus has just completely just gone off the hinges because now he's not supposed to be in the house. He's ceremonially unclean. He's unclean because he's connecting with sinners because he's sharing meals with them because he's making a covenant with them. So it's a bad deal. Um, and so there's no doubt had, had these guys had a camera and took a picture, they would have been like, you know, on Twitter and Facebook, like, who does Jesus think he is? Why would Jesus hang out with these guys? They're traitors to the community. Um, and I say that to push. I do. I am trying to push you a little bit. I am trying to challenge you to think differently. And for us to also realize that I was reading a thing today and it says uh, a, a quote today. It's on my, my Instagram stories. I think it was Seneca, but uh, it says, you know, the best revenge is not to be like those who hurt you, not to be like him who hurt you in the first place. So don't be like the ones who hurt you. You know, um, shaming doesn't work. Um, uh, you know, excommunicating people or canceling people, not necessarily the best idea. You know, that doesn't work. So you gotta look at these different concepts and these different ideas of, of how they all line up. Like if it didn't work for Christians, it's probably not gonna work for progressives, you know? And also the fact is that any system that practices this idea of excluding people based on their past or their, uh, their identity or their religion or their financial place or any, any system that does this is going to be a broken system. Um, I think it's easier to focus on the church. You're gonna have to give me a second. I'm at Pete's house and someone's ringing on the doorbell. So hold on a second. Sorry, everybody. He had some food dropped off here. Um, <laughs> great. Thanks, Pete. Um, but you know, you're gonna have this issue anytime we ostracize each other. So I, I, it's strange to me to think that the church is often seen as such the bad guys, because they've really done a really good job at ostracizing people, but that we don't realize that we're falling into a very similar system that's just saying, well, now we're just gonna push and ostracize them. And so what happens is we do become the us's and them's and nothing changes because none of us communicate, none of us talk, none of us argue well, and we don't recognize each other's uh, shared humanity. Um, so then the next thing you know, we're just kind of still split, still divided, still fighting. You know, you just switched one certainty for another, you know, one, one great virtue for another great virtue. They just traded out, but they still have that same spirit of exclusion. And that's what we, why I would say Christianity is important is that we try not to exclude others. The whole idea of loving your enemy, even if it's loving your enemy from afar, but it's still the idea of we're not excluding the other. And that hopefully through growth and time and self-acceptance and acceptance of others, we learn to sit down and have conversations, how to argue well and how to do these things. Now, um, so anyway, yeah. I'm just reading somebody's comment. So, we've returned the favor. So the best revenge is don't do that. The best revenge, as Seneca said, I believe it was Seneca, I could be completely wrong, um, is don't act like those who hurt you in the first place. So I think one of the things we can do if we are trying to follow these Christian principles or these, you know, how to live life better, live life well in community, if we wanna see things change, is ask ourselves, 
am I repeating, you know, the same thing that happened to me? You know, um, like have you ever been through a bad breakup where you broke up with somebody and they were really hurt, you know, and they did some things to you that hurt, or that you didn't like, and then, 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 then you go through another breakup that, you know, you're hurt this time <laughs> and they're not as, you know, and then you're doing the same thing that that person did to you. I mean, that, that, you know, there's always this kind of like weird cycle of like, we just, you know, oh, now I get it. You know, now I understand. And I guess the idea here and why I, why I do some of the work that I do is trying to help us not have to repeat that cycle or ha even have to have that cycle to realize empathy for other people and go like, oh, to, to walk in somebody else's shoes that we kind of go like, Oh, this is what Jesus was talking about. Oh, this is what Paul was talking about. Oh, this is why. So Christianity actually makes sense. It's all not magical thinking. You know, it's not all like miracles and reviving people from the dead, but there's actually things that work uh, to connect us as human beings. You know, it's, uh, you know, so that's so interesting to me. Um, yeah, I mean, Jesus came along and said, you know, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for I say, you know, turn the other cheek, you know, all that kind of stuff. Remember that stuff? Um, so here in the verse, it says, you know, so they're also sitting with Jesus, the sinners were, and his disciples, and for there were many people like this who followed Jesus. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat? with tax collectors and sinners. So the religious people were angry at the time of saying, why does he spend time with these? I, I, I like the New Living Version because that's what I really first started reading because I felt like it was easier to understand. Um, the New Living Version goes, why does he eat with such scum? <laughs> is how they translate it, you know, to give you kind of a clear concept of what they're, you know, they're, you know what they're saying. And so it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And one of the things I also like about the New Living is it says, I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're good enough. You know, not those who think they're righteous because Jesus would say righteousness doesn't come from the law. It doesn't come from works or things like this. And these are people who've done hard works, that come, who follow the law and they're looking in going like, why these people? And Jesus is saying, these are the people that need to be talked to. These are the... So, if you see me praying for any president or presidential candidate ever, uh, I don't support either or right now. <laughs> but if you did, you would go, wow, why is he doing that? Oh, he's saying it's okay. You know, remember this first here. Healthy people don't need doctors. Sick people do. Sometimes we have to sit with sick people. Sometimes we have to sit with people we don't always agree with. So the well, great thing about Matthew is Matthew just doesn't even just have Jesus over for dinner. He's just like becomes, Matthew just becomes one of the disciples and boom, you know, and here you have this guy who was, and then you have zealots and zealots wanted to kill tax collectors. So Jesus has a diverse group of thinking people in his disciples, like people who literally were enemies and wanted to kill each other and now they're working together. And as Derek just said, let's be honest, sinners are more fun to hang out with. And yes, we are. Great thing is we're all that way. And if we think we aren't, then we definitely are. Fantastic, right? But that's also why grace is so fantastic. Um, and sinners, it's, sin is not with this like, oh, I go to Rated R movies and listen to Nine Inch Nails. 
You know, for me, sin is whatever we try to fill the lack with. And I feel like the lack is almost the presence of God. That is what it is. God is the lack. And then things that we try to send in and, and cover it up or, 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 you know, we don't realize what we try to put in it and, and, and capitalism and desires and the desires are never met or we get something and desire is okay for a little while. You know how desire works. You know, oh, I've got to have that. Oh, and you get it. And then like, down the road, it's like, oh, you know, I need a new thing, or I need someone new, or something new. But anyway, so Jesus is making a big point here. Jesus shows, he's like, these are the folks who I'm called to hang out with. These are the folks who need me. And for us not to do that would be like doctors who see sick people and go, oh, I'm not going to work with them because they're sick. You know, it would be like, we'd be like a hospital that was like, oh, well, you know, as soon as you stop bleeding, you can come in. So, you know, when we ignore people that we disagree with or ignore people that we think are wrong or different and we could actually help, um, even though we didn't take the oath, was the hypocritical oath, the hypercritical oath, whatever it's called, we didn't take the oath, we're still saying like, get better on yourself. Like, like that's magical thinking. Like you don't think it's magical thinking like, oh, well, healing the blind and that's all magical thinking. Christianity, it's so crazy and magical thinking. But then we just sit here and think like, well, I'm going to just not talk to those people. And then we think that somehow that's going to change them. Like, oh, that guy doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Maybe I should start thinking like them. You know, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to say like, I'm not going to talk to those people because they don't agree with me, even though I feel like I have something that could help them, you know. But I bet if I ignore them or if, even better, if I just really judge them and say how crappy they are, then they'll be better and they'll be more like me. I mean, does that make sense? Does that work? You know, um, one of the things I love about what Hegel talks about people arguing is that there's a recognition, we recognize each other's humanity even within arguments. We might not even think it, but unconsciously we know we see another human being and we focus on our humanity and we recognize the humanity of others, not even our identities, on the outside, but literally the unconscious and sometimes the conscious recognizes the humanity when we come together and disagree. And even an empathy will come in and creep in there. And I've met so many people whose lives have changed because they hung out with people they didn't agree with. Or they hung out with people they weren't quite sure about, you know. And I, I've gone into people's lives and thought, I'm gonna you know, help this person straighten them out, and then got into their lives and that person helped straighten me out and put me in a different path. You know, it's kind of cool how being a human works when we sit down with people that we don't always agree with. And I think it's great to have people who call us out on our bullshit as well, you know, and have friendships like that as well. So it's layers, you know, and I know there's a lot of you who are like, well, I'm hurt and I can't do that right now. That's, I get it. You know, I've been through a lot of therapy. I'm seeing an analyst right now. I've been studying this stuff for years. I've been a pastor for over 20 years. So how I do it is not gonna be the same way you do it. You know, baby steps. I, I'm not putting anybody in a time limit. There's no, no like, well, you're not in if you don't do this. But the idea is like, this is kind of the concept, you know, of when we say, well, what, is, what it is like to be following the footsteps of Christ. This is a particular good story of what it's like to follow in the footsteps of Christ is to be rejected for your inclusion, not accepted for your exclusion. And that's the thing right now is we have two systems that are completely separate 
and, and, and you're kind of expected to exclude the other. So each system expects each other to exclude the other. And if you don't, you're out. And sometimes you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here, so you end up being kind of here, which I feel like I'm always here. Um, but the idea is, is, is not to say, you know, like, you know, keep these, part, these parts apart, it's just to connect these parts, even if it's hard at first, even if it's arguing, even if it's rough and it's tough. Um, so we can learn. I mean, I have kids, and I try to help my children learn this as well uh, when they have differences with their friends and stuff. Um, so it, it, it takes time. Uh, patience is, is tough, but it is worth it. So now, do you have to be like Jesus? No. no, that's not, you don't have to be. But I'm just saying, if you follow Christianity and you're going, what are the good things about Christianity? I'm deconstructing Christianity. Here's just some of the basics of Christianity. Things that we weren't told growing up. Things I was told the exact opposite of in some of the biggest churches in the country. Um, it's, you know, by every well-meaning youth pastor, um, don't hang out with those people, don't go with those people, don't single, you know, just do the opposite of everything Jesus did and you'll be safe. You know, like they really modeled you kind of be like, be more like the Pharisees than, than Jesus. And somehow the law, even though we were Christians and named after Jesus, we, we grew into the law. The other day I was talking to somebody who was saying like, well, how do I know like if I'm doing my own thing and I'm not going to church, you know, and I'm, and I'm not putting Jesus into my own, you know, I'm not creating Jesus into my own image. How do I know I'm not putting Jesus into my own image? And I said, well, here's an idea. You have the Bible, you know, if you're really worried about how to follow Jesus, just, you know, you can look in the New Testament. You have, you know, some people have red letter Bibles. To me, I think those are important, but I don't think they're just any more important than other things. I think some of Paul's writings are just as important as some of the red letters. Uh, burn me at the stake if you like. Um, but just because Paul's building off of those red letters. So, you know, he's just building another building. Um, but, but the idea is like, you know, I said, well, just look and see. What did Jesus say? You know, this guy was, was, was kind of coming out of a very strict Calvinist background, you know? And I said, sometimes you just have to take the risk, you know, and just say, screw it and see what happens. But you also have some of these Christian ideas of what it's like to be human. Um, so here's Jesus. He's just laying it out to the Pharisees, giving it to them in the simplest way they can understand. Is like, these are the people who need me. And um, obviously you guys have the opinion that you are no need of me except to criticize me. So this is what I'm doing. And Jesus tries to explain them that to them. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, and I'm gonna jump over to Romans 3. Because I, I want to get into grace a little bit because I think you, you, you can't kind of, because grace is kind of foreshadowed in, in Christ's life and we're going to see it come to, you know, fulfillment. But um, we get a lot of grace from, from Paul's writings. Um, Romans 3 is where I'm going to be at. If I can find it. <sighs> I can't see my battery power, so hopefully my phone doesn't die. Let's try this. Romans 3.21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. 
Since all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by the, redemp by the redemption of his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. So here we hit up with all of a sudden grace. All of a sudden there's no law. What did Jesus mean when he says, I, I did not come to abolish law, but I came to fulfill the law? Well, fulfill the law is through grace. Grace is it. Grace is accepted. You don't have to believe more. You don't have to do better. You don't have to do anything. Just grace is it. You are covered by grace. And grace is a gift. And here's the idea with what's cool about grace is some people teach that grace is like this, like you can accept it. And then um, my Lutheran brothers and sisters say you have to receive it. No, they say you but get receive versus accept. Yeah, there's a play on word. It's important to them and I can't remember. I'm sorry. I think it's received. Like, oh, I received a gift. But it's free. It's yours. Boom. Nothing you can do. It's like the stuff at the front door. It's just there. I mean, Pete probably paid for it, but I'm going to eat it. Um, and the law was fulfilled by grace. Grace is given to you as a free gift. So what Jesus is showing by eating with these people, he's saying something's really cool that's coming that's going to change all this. And unfortunately, everything you guys have been doing is great, but it's not really about that. It's about accepting yourself accepted. You're, you're accepted by, by that which is greater than yourself. He goes on to say, whom God put forward a sacrifice, talking about Jesus, by his blood, effected through faith. He did this show this a righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He had passed over the, now listen to this. He had passed over the sins of those sins previously committed. It was proven at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. So it's saying that Jesus came and justifies the sins of everyone who came before Jesus. Now here's the idea. If grace isn't truly amazing, Jesus made things worse than better. Because if Jesus covered everything before Jesus, then why isn't Jesus covering everything after Jesus? Then all of a sudden now we have this, you know, a choice and we have to say the special prayer and we have to do the special thing. I really believe that the faith of Christianity is more about how we live life well than is how we get to heaven or hell. And I don't believe in hell. And sometimes I question heaven. But how do we live life well? How do we love our neighbors? How do we love each other? How do we grow in community? And I think it's a very important uh, faith that was really built on community, especially then, because community was all you had. You know, there's a reason that like, when you look at um, Sodom and Gomorrah, why Sodom and Gomorrah was, strength, was destroyed, because it, it rejected the stranger, not because of gay stuff. <laughs> it rejected the stranger and how it treated the stranger. And you, when, you were, uh, when you were someone outside of your community and you were a stranger to another community, that, how that community reacted to you was life or death. So, so there we're getting a very, very clear, very black and white thing of like, if you don't love the stranger, that stranger could die. Um, if you don't help them along their journey, they could die. Even if you disagree with them, if you throw them out, then you're giving them a death sentence because, you know, it could be 100 miles or to the next community for these people to eat, to get what they need, and to continue on their journey. Um, so, so this is the idea. 
and then I love this part in, in, in Romans in, in 3.27. It says, uh, then what becomes of boasting? You know, what becomes of saying, well, look what I've done. Why do you hang out with those people? And I, you know, I've done all the right things. Those people haven't. So Paul says, what becomes of boasting? Like, I've got my life together. I'm down, I'm woke, or I'm conservative, or I'm this, or I'm a that, you know? And then you're like, and I did it all on my own. Well, Paul says, what becomes of boasting if you want to be a follower of Christ, of Christianity? What becomes about boasting and saying, well, like, I know, you know, look at everything I did. You know, oh, hey, I'm going to go feed the kids. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go give to the poor. You know, then we boast and we brag and, you know, humble brags and, you know, I do it too. We all do it. We're all humans. We all fall short, right? Um, but he goes, then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what? Law. By that of the works? No, but by the law of faith. And the law of faith is the law of grace in a way. It is the law of going like, I have faith that I'm accepted by something greater than myself. And it's funny because the only way you can, I'll just, let me finish this. No, but the law of faith. We hold that person as justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. And it goes down to say that only when you have faith, and I think around uh, 31, only when you have faith can you truly fulfill the law. Only when you have faith, uh, uh, what, what does it say on this one, this version? Do, they, when, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. But the only way to uphold the law or fulfill the law is through grace. Just, and all that is is saying, that's it. I accept it. I'm free to do whatever I want. All is, all is, all is uh, acceptable, but not all is beneficial. You know, it's not everything I'm going to do is not beneficial, but all is permissible, but not all is beneficial. You know, you go into that of, okay, so now how do I live? And if you want to do that, you can either, you know, read your Bible and get some good concordances and some good study stuff, you know, which I highly recommend. You can deconstruct if you do it in a cool way, not in the just like, the church is shit. You know, I mean, that, I think that's just not, if you're going in just to be like, I'm going to tear it apart. You're like, that's fine, I get it. But what you might, if you really go in there and you really look, you might find something deeper and more beautiful that will tear apart this part of the system that you don't like, but also keep the beauty, that will restore the beauty. I don't even know if it'd be reformation as much as it would be restoration. And so you restore the meaning of the gospels, the meaning of Christianity, the meaning of this faith, this religion. Of, of bringing in grace and saying it's not about the law, it's not about this. And then, then so you look at this idea that we're covered by grace. Jesus isn't afraid to hang out with anybody, you know. And I'm afraid to mention certain people's names when I talk and give my opinion about certain people because I know certain folks on here would want to excommunicate me. Like if I went on my dad's show, for example, which I would do if he asked probably, um, you know, there's a lot of you that would be angry and upset. And a lot of people on Twitter who always ask me to denounce them would be upset. But I would go in there to have good conversation, to have a difficult conversation, not to go like, oh yeah, everything you do is awesome, bam. But to show people that people can come with different ideas of faith, different ideas of these things and come together, you know, 
And, and the funny thing about grace is, 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 is for me, is when I realized grace was true, the one thing that I didn't think was gonna happen, because I was a very big drinker all the time, is, is, is that I was gonna get sober when I understood grace. But the idea was, is my sobriety for a long time was based on what I thought God wanted for me and what I thought I had to do for God. And then this concept came of when it wasn't about pleasing a man, I don't believe God's a man in the sky, but I probably did at the time, but, but not pleasing the man in the sky, that I was accepted. It was only then that I was able to walk into a room and go, I'm an alcoholic and I'm just not happy. Drinking is just not fulfilling my life. It was all of a sudden when it was no longer this forbidden by my religion that I went, it took the, 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 the spiciness, it took the desire, kind of the forbidden desire away from it and allowed me to go like, yeah, you know, actually it's, it's not about sin or not sin, it's just about how it makes me feel and, and how I'm living my life it just doesn't feel right and I think this is getting in the way of living my life. So in some ways this is almost a practical message, um, but it's not, it's not necessarily our nature message to say like, go hang out with your enemies and do this kind of stuff. But that's kind of the idea is when you get this grace thing, you just kind of start to live and then you start to not give a damn about what other people think. Um, you know, it's a little bit harder when you have kids and you have bills and things like that. And you and then you start to worry like, uh, and you live in a culture that everybody is so amped up where they just want to cancel you and destroy you. But look what Jesus did. Jesus was like, all right, you guys are going to kill me but you're gonna kill me because I'm, I'm including more people. When Jesus got angry in the temple, it had nothing to do with just being like, oh, well, they're spending money in the temple. It was what, how they were charging, saying our sacrifices are better than your sacrifices. What he saying was, it's like, you know, you guys are trying to charge for forgiveness. You know, you're trying to say that this is even a better way of forgiveness. I mean, he was breaking the law down. It was an image of saying, this is not, this is shit. This doesn't work anymore. There's nothing behind that curtain in the Holy of Holies. You're not divided from God. And I'm gonna show you that, that when that thing rips apart, that there's nothing back, that we have never been divided, that we've always been in community with you, that I've always been with you, um, that grace has always been here. I mean, uh, Paul talks about it in Galatians as saying like, you know, Abraham is the father of faith, the father of grace. This idea that that promise was made to Abraham way before the law was, 450 years before the law was given. So this has always been a part of the tradition, this idea of grace. Jesus just came and showed us this is, this is really what it looks like. Are you guys still with me? I promise I'm gonna finish here in a second. Um, and I'm gonna just jump over real quick because I, I highlighted this part a long time ago and then it just stuck out to me in, in Romans 4, 15. It says, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. Where there is no law, either is there violation. So maybe one of the things we can start to do is not be so judgmental of other people and not judge, always judge people by the company they keep. That's like some like youth group shit. No, that's in some high school shit. That is some kid shit when we go down that level. Because we don't know what people are, we don't, I don't know if El, what Ellen was saying to George W, but you know what, it probably, W was like, probably 
like, wow, she shouldn't love me. She shouldn't be sitting next to me. I don't know, Ellen, I know she had a hard time with trying. It might, might be the worst example ever. And you guys can cancel me for that if you want. But the idea here, though, is the concept is everything. Like, why is she with that guy? And you know, and some of his supporters were like, probably, why is he sitting next to that Hollywood liberal elite? Everybody was pissed. Because we're, we act like children. We act like we're in high school. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Nobody told me that. That's what I love about Bob Dylan is he did a, he did a, a he put a song in a Victoria's Secrets commercial during the Super Bowl one year and everybody got really mad at him. And he goes, oh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Nobody had told me, you know, like being sarcastic. Or that's why I like John Lydon because he's like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I was just trying to tell you the truth. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that because it's going like, these are just rules we're all making up. And what we're doing is we've just gotten rid of like, okay, the church is crap. So, you know, if we're the ones leaving the church and then we're going like, but we're just creating brand new rules and new laws and new regulations, you know, and the church is going like, oh, they're bad. You know, what I'm saying is like, we've got to get out of these systems and live a life of grace where we allow people to live their life and maybe go like, hey, why did you, you could, I mean, if you want, pardon up, why did you sit down with them? Why are you hanging out with them? You know? I mean, what did people think Ellen was going to come out and say? Like, I, mean, I, know, like, I know all the things, awful things presidents do, not just George W., but uh, Democrat and Republican. Lots of people die under presidents and are killed, and there's lots of wars and lots of greed, and a lot of us don't have health care. You know, I mean, there's bad things. So I get all that. But did people think Ellen was going to be like, I'm going to be vice, I'm going to be vice president for George W., or I'm going to run for president, George W. is going to be my vice president. You, know, you think she was getting political advice or something? You know, you know, he told me I could pray the gay way and it really made sense. You know, I mean, what? but we're just so self-righteous. And a lot of us don't like religion because of the self-righteousness, because of the virtue signaling. That's the reasons we've left religion. Let's not create a new religion. I remember one time I heard like the, uh, there was a big group of atheists who were like, well, we're gonna start meeting once a week and do buildings and community and stuff like that. And I was like, don't do it. Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> Stay free. Don't start building boards and community. It's gonna get. It's just gonna get messy. It's what happens when you start putting together systems. Um, just live. Live free. <laughs> that was my best advice. Um, In Ephesians 2.9, for time's sake, I'm not going to turn there, but it says, you know, we're saved by grace, not by works. Again, so no one can boast. No one can brag. Grace does not give us a bragging card. Grace does not give us a judgmental card. Grace does not give us the thing like, well, now I can judge you because I've got grace. You're going like, well, I've got grace and I have to give it to you too because it's anarchy and I don't really like you, but it doesn't really, it doesn't abide to my system either. So here, maybe it'll help you. You know, and so like when I was working with like Soul Force, like I was meeting people who were like, yeah, I was totally against the gay community, totally trying to change people, make them straight. And then I met people in the LGBT, or I didn't even love my own daughter, but then I met people, other people in the community and I saw their humanity. Like I couldn't see my own kids' humanity because they were my kids. But when I saw the humanity of others, something happened in my heart and I realized, oh my God, how could I treat my child like this? I mean, that's what comes from relationships. That's what comes from being intimate with other people. That's what comes from having a moment of grace, even if that moment of grace is coming together to argue well. You know, I feel like when I argue 
back in the back in those days when I was sitting with pastors and I was arguing them with verse through verse because they wanted that. They had to, had to be proved that it was in the Bible or not. Like, so I'm sitting down and I'm arguing with historical backgrounds, things like that. I'm doing that not to be like right. I'm doing that to hopefully get, realize that what's, how powerful grace is and what coming together, despite our differences, might change us both and might change them, you know, and, and make them more inclusive and experience grace. I'm doing it out of a heart of grace. Everything I've ever done since the beginning has been out of a heart of grace because that's what caught me and pulled me in. So if I woke up tomorrow as an atheist and said, there's no God at all, 100% atheist, you know, I would still have that grace concept because I think it's the greatest way to move forward. And I think also grace is something that really makes Christianity very interesting and particular faith. Um, and I'm gonna end with Galatians, the one that always gets me in trouble, even though it's Paul and not me, is, is, is this idea, um, so, so grace in Ephesians 10, you're saved by accepting grace. <laughs> accepting you're accepted, that's what it's saying. Accept that you are accepted. You know, you are accepted. There's a Paul Tillich sermon called You Are Accepted, and you can find it anywhere Google it, just Paul Tillich, you are accepted. It'll come up somewhere. It's in a book called Shaking the Foundations. One of the best talks I've ever heard on grace in my life, one of the best things written about grace in my life. Read that, read it all the way through, print it off, highlight it, quote, tweet it, do whatever you want, because it is really, really good. And I think you'll get something out of it. And, and, and it's, it's so well articulated, you know, and he's one of the greatest philosophers and theologians of the 20th century. So it's really worth a good read. Um, not a perfect human being, though, um, like myself <laughs> and you guys, of course. Um, but in Galatians 3, 28, it says, there is, neither there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all offsprings of Abraham. We are all children of, so, and here you have, at this time you see Jew and Greek are, 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 are not getting along. They're enemies. This is what's happening in Galatia. They are fighting one another. And what he's trying to say is, there is not, there's not conservative or liberal. We're all one. There's not Greek or Jew. We're all one. There's not even gender. We're all one. And this is where people have a hard time with this. But the concept isn't to exclude others or make people feel better about themselves. It's to take away all the levels of hierarchy and lowarchy <laughs> and malarchy and, um, and, and no more status or lack of status. But it's, it's, it's grace. Grace is the great equalizer. And this is the hard part to grasp, that grace is the great equalizer. And uh, if, we, if we understood it and accepted it, our society would be a very different place. And uh, we wouldn't be sitting around bragging about how great we are because we wouldn't have time because it would be, be, be too much time spending time with other people and getting to know other people and having great conversations and really interesting arguments. Because um, I'll say it again, any system that's based on exclusion 
no matter how progressive it is or how conservative it is, is going to be a mess and is going to tear people apart and eventually will turn on itself and will eventually start to exclude those who thought they were included because they'll start to, people who are excluded will just say like, screw you, we're out of here. So then they run out of people to exclude and what you realize is that exclusion is usually at the heart of these things of who's in and who's out becomes very important. And it, 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 it's almost like this like animalistic desire of who's in, who's out, you know, or maybe just a pure grossness of human desire to be like, they're good and they're bad, you know? But it's a simplistic, like it's the high school, desire to treat people like they're the cool kids and they're the uncool kids and those are the good skaters over there you know what i mean and and any system that works on excluding is is going to mess people up it's just going to do that but grace comes and says there's just these these systems i don't you know you, you can have these systems but i'll move in between these systems and so what I'm asking you is, do you want to be an agent of the systems, an agent of culture, an agent of chaos? <laughs> Talked about last week. Or do you want to be an agent of grace? Accepting that you're accepted is the beginning of that. You are accepted. You're loved just the way you are, pure and simple. Read that Paul Tillich, you are accepted uh, talk. Read it. It's great. And um, through that, process of, of helping us learn that we're okay in the midst of our shit. And we're trying to learn how to work these things out in the process. We'll start to realize that other people are going through hell too and just trying to work out their shit as well. And we might even have empathy for them even if they, they work out their stuff a little bit different than us. Or as you know, you've seen things, they just don't like the way I sin. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll work that out a little bit. You know, we'll have more empathy for that. Or maybe we'll just learn a new way to, you know, sin. <laughs> it's more fun. Anyway, that's my talk today is um, radical inclusion, radical humanity, a radical call to human equality through grace and that uh, you are accepted. Um, sorry the Q&As haven't been going well. I'm using Pete's thing today and I could not. I have to get new glasses, guys. I'm just be honest. <laughs> I need to get bifocals because I cannot read what you're saying. But I will try to um, to uh, to come in here after the talk and 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 get in on the conversation. So please talk to each other, and I will. If you see, if you get commented by Revolution, that'll be me because um, I don't know how to switch over to just me. I'll try, but anyway. So if Revolution comments on your question or something, that'll be me. I'll, I'll just hey, it's Jay. But we love you guys. Hey, listen, if you want to donate, you can go to revolutionchurch.com. We've, we've changed this, the site and simplified it a little bit more so people can make just the first thing you see will be the donations and then all the other stuff that we're doing right now is on the website. So revolutionchurch.com. Um, if you like this work we're doing and you want to support it, that would be great. Um, we could use your support. Um, I'm also working on some other stuff and, and doing some other stuff that's uh, helping me bring in a little bit of income as well. So, um, but the church needs your support. Um, you know, I would like to be able to help people who are working with us. And um, all right, well, my phone stopped again. So I'm gonna let you guys go. I love you so much. Um, I appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing some of you here who are in LA, seeing some of you here soon and the rest of you uh, 
later. But lots of love and lots of grace. And you are accepted. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.